When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Hour two here on the Sports Complex. Text lines open 512-447-3776. You want to talk Texas basketball. Big game tonight. Tough game on Saturday. You can talk about either one. Uh, you want to talk some NBA trade deadline is looming about a week and a half away. Uh, Spurs could start a win streak three games in a row. That could happen tonight. You want to talk some NBA. Big fat poll today. Who's the best mascot in the league? We're talking because the Coyote caught his third his third bat. They send the mascot out to catch the bat. So that's our poll of the day. Who's the best mascot? Nate, correct answer is a coyote. We all know that. Uh, and we're going to talk some NFL as well. So if you've got any takes on the NFL, on the coaching hirings, on where Dan Quinn may or may not be ending up at the end of this year, if you're okay with him coming back to the Cowboys, if he can fix his mistakes that cost the Cowboys, and, uh, of course, the conference championship games. All of that come up here in hour two of the Sports Complex. Uh, we'll get back to the text line in just a minute, 512-447-3776. We try, to drive, we try to get to everybody's text on the show. That's why we say you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails because we want to get to everybody that text in. All right, let's get into a little talk about the conference championship games this weekend. Uh, we'll start with the AFC. It was the first game. Uh, this was a game that the Ravens had every opportunity to win. We talked a little bit about it in that last segment, but this is a game where as much as the Ravens had every opportunity to win, there were some things that you just didn't expect to happen that happened in the game. The three turnovers, one of which was just a really bad read by Lamar Jackson. One of those was the ball getting swiped from behind him, which that one I'll put into, it shouldn't have happened. You know, you have to be able to have that awareness, especially a guy like Lamar Jackson. Uh, but, you know, it's him being able to, but it falls into this next point I'll make. And then, of course, uh, the fumble as well on the goal line, which is just devastating uh, when you realize you lose by a touchdown and you are reaching out to score that touchdown and get that ball poked out at the end. A great play, by the way, a great play on defense uh, to realize you're not stopping the play, just poking the ball and, and hope for the best. Uh, but the reality is the game plan for the Ravens, and I know, I know the Chiefs wanted to come out and Spags came out and Spig- you know we we've talked about how great of a defensive coordinator he is. I know they came out and they really wanted to stop the run and they were going to try and stop Lamar Jackson and they were going to do what they could to make sure there was no run game for the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens said, "Don't worry about it. We're not going to run the ball. We're one of the best running teams in the NFL. We can run the ball, but we're going to spread the ball out and we're going to throw it and I'm going to have Lamar Jackson throw the ball 37 times." That, to me, is not what the game plan should have been 
when you know you're going up against a really good defense, everything, try and run the ball some more. You had six carries combined by Gus Edwards and Hill. Edwards and Hill had six carries combined, three for each. Gus Edwards, I mean, he had 20 yards. He had a 15-yard run. He broke one, and then two were shorter carries. So you say, well, screw it. He had, uh, out of three, he only had one big run. You can't abandon your run game in a one-score game and continue to play from behind and continue to stop. When you hold Kansas City to 17 points, you cannot abandon your run game and just keep throwing the ball. Because, <clears throat> again, it made it so you couldn't set up the deep ball where you need to set it up. I just don't think the game plan, uh, we're going to let Lamar Jackson go out there and show us. You go in, and this is a problem I've said, and you know the text earlier made the joke about Dak Prescott. This is the, the story. If you get a, a quarterback, and their name's not Patrick Mahomes, and you say, well, we're going to use them, but uh, let's lose them, lose them in a way that we, we are, it's not proven, that we don't think is probably the best way to use them, but we think that maybe they'll be able to elevate. But the odds are they'll regress to the mean instead of elevating to be the greatest player against a really good defense in the most important game. I don't like that game plan. Run the ball. And, I, you know, Lamar Jackson had eight carries in there, but those are not all designed carries either. So you're calling, you know, 10 runs in the game maybe. I, I just don't I, – I can't stand calling 10 – like 10 run plays really is probably what you call in that game. I don't like that game plan one bit for a Ravens team. That's what they're built on. And it leads to turnovers because it leads to interceptions. It leads to uh, Lamar Jackson sitting in the pocket and trying to get the ball downfield and getting – Ball like that. It leads to Lamar Jackson getting hit more times than you want to see him get hit in a game. I mean, he had a great play. By the way, Lamar Jackson also has a reception in that game, which was just a crazy moment to not only see him catch his own pass, but to catch his own pass past the line of scrimmage and then run it for a big gain. Uh, I was trying to figure out what the fantasy score is. If you know that one, hit me up on the text line. What the fantasy, how many points he could have scored if he would have kept that and gone to the end zone. Does he get does he get a touchdown passing and receiving in that uh, in fantasy? I don't know if he does or not, but it doesn't matter. Uh but you had you had your defense did their job. Bal- like Baltimore's defense did the job. Baltimore's defense, first of all, they sacked Mahomes twice, which doesn't happen. They almost had that third one on a third down where they're an inch away from hitting Mahomes and he somehow gets the ball out to Travis Kelsey who's diving for the ball and they get a first down. Like those plays, you know, that's just when you're watching the Chiefs football and you just go, ah, crap, they're really good. You still hold them to 17 points. It looked like it was going to be high scoring early. And you hold them to 17 points. You have three turnovers and you lose by 10 because you didn't run the football. I don't think it's, you know, it's one of those things. And we can add in the penalties and – that it's probably it's probably a bit screwy that there was a 15-yard taunting penalty that shouldn't have been there in a conference championship game, that there was a 15-yard penalty on Kyle Van Noy for doing, for, for you know, when Travis Kelsey's doing something that was more offensive than the 15-yard uh, penalty. And I know they didn't want it to get chippy, but you can't throw a flag on only one team if you don't want it to get chippy when both teams are talking. I didn't like those flags. Uh, but that's, again... They had eight penalties for 95 yards. Those backed them up and put them into unfortunate situations. That if Zay Flowers maybe doesn't get that taunting penalty, the whole him diving over the end zone doesn't become an issue. So they they shot themselves in the foot plenty, and I think they still could have won if they just ran the ball more. And, you know, you get away from it, but this was the Texas, the Sark, a couple years ago or last year, 
Sark, when he gets too pretty and got and gets away from the run and just says, no, no, no we're just going to throw. I, I No, we have to make a throw because the, I've, I've got all these passes ready lined up and we're throwing against a team with these what's really good defensive backs that have been playing great all season. And they just kept running and they just kept throwing the football. 37 attempts for Lamar Jackson was not the recipe to win in a cold and rainy Baltimore game where you should be able to go into the line of scrimmage and try and beat them and try and push them back and try and demand and be bruisers. You're a Harbaugh, be a bruiser. Didn't want to do it. Tried to finesse their way, and they lose because the best, te- the, the better team is going to win if you're going to try and finesse. And Kansas City just knows how to win in those games, and you try to finesse your way in instead of being the team that Baltimore is supposed to be in hard-hitting and, and, and smash-mouth. And you got away from it, you got two cutes, and it ends up costing Baltimore, and the Chiefs make it back to the Super Bowl. In the NFC game, we see a 49ers team that somewhat underperformed. The Lions definitely underperformed in this game. Uh, David Montgomery, though, goes 15 carries for 93 yards, averaging 6.2 yards per carry. you got to ride that. Uh, but the real story of the game is going for it on fourth down. They're one for three on going for it on fourth down. And Dan Campbell can come out today and say, you know, that's you know that's what got us there, and that's what we're going to continue to do. But it was just too many times that you know you go uh, with seven oh three left in the third quarter. You're up twenty four to ten. You have a chance to make it a three score game. Really put pressure on them. Really start to take CMC out of the game or make them throw the ball. Make Brock, Brock Purdy beat you. Make Brock Purdy be the guy. And you go for it because you want to make it a three-touchdown game. You want to run more clock or whatever it is. You go for it. You don't get it. Ends up cutting bite you in the butt. 7.32 left in the the game. You go for it instead of going for a field goal from the 30 that could have tied the game. Could have tied the game with seven and a half minutes. So seven minutes left in the third, you could have gone up three scores. You say no field goal then. 7.30 left in the game. You don't go for it. You go for it again there. And then you get the ball back. You're still in it with three, with three minutes left. You're down two scores now because you couldn't kick those field goals because you, you didn't want to get ahead. You didn't want to push, the, push them and trust your defense. You didn't want to do that, even though people are looking at your defensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator may end up, may end up getting a job somewhere. Aaron Glenn is sought after, but you don't trust Aaron Glenn. 302, you get the ball back, and you just walk down the field. And and I have to you have to bring this up because we give Mike McCarthy a lot of crap for this. You know, here in Texas, we give Mike McCarthy a ton of crap that, you know, the, his game management down the line, and this looked like Mike McCarthy game management, that they just kind of went down and he said, man, you really need to try and get in there before the two-minute warning. And you need to get down. And even if you just get in field goal range and kick a field goal before the two-minute warning, you can punt the ball off, trust your defense, three timeouts, two-minute warning, you're ready to go. You can go tie the game at the end there. And that's what you need. And I know Dan Campbell doesn't like overtime. Dan Campbell doesn't want to, uh, you know, he wants. He may have gone for two if that was the case. We know who Dan Campbell is. But you have that game management. We all know that. And they just let it go down. And then they let it get under the two-minute warning. And then they have to burn a timeout. So now the two-minute warning is going, and you burn a timeout. So now you have to onside kick it. And once you're there, you've lost. You've lost because of coaching at that point. And you were in the game, and there was a lot of great points but you, you, again, you got too cute, and you said, well, this is what our bread and butter is. This is what we're going to do. 
And at the end of the day, the coaches who knew to just stip, stick to their script and, and do what they did and, and go with the flow of the game and understand how to move and change and trust their players and on both sides of the field, those guys, those guys were winners. Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, guys who've been there before, they've done that. And look, Kyle Shanahan's guilty too. He's guilty, but he knows he lost that Super Bowl. And he, it, I'm sure it still kills him. He knows to not get too cute in those moments. And, hey, we can still go win this game. Dan Campbell got too cute. Todd Munkin got too cute. Calling run plays at the end of the game for, for Detroit when you have to when the clock is, means everything. Not trying to get the ball out. Not trying to get up and spike it. Not trying to do any of that. Just playing really lackadaisical time management. You cannot do if you are in that position in the NFL. So it ends up that we get a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl, which once the Chiefs won, there was a bit of me, and I think in the other people I talked to, that you said, well, you know, you kind of want the 49ers to win now. As much as I wanted Detroit to win, and I, the story's better if Detroit wins, I don't think Detroit has a shot against the Chiefs. I don't trust Detroit against Patrick Mahomes. I just don't trust him. 49ers, I, look, I'm again, I'm not falling for them. I'm not, I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe again. Patrick Mahomes, we get it. We get who you are. I'm not betting against you. But 49ers, they at least have a shot in this game. They have a ton of people around them. And if Brock Purdy can play at a high level at a, in a big game, and that defense can actually go and create. Now we know uh, our, our boy Charles Amenehue, former intern here at the Horn. Charles Amenehue played at Texas, of course. He uh, gets terrible news today that he ends up tearing his ACL in the game, not able to come back in. You saw him on the sideline where he was trying to rub it. He was just trying to figure it out. And uh, the news came out today. He tore his ACL, so he's going to be out for the Super Bowl. Hate to see that. But can, can one of these defensive lines change the Super Bowl? When you're talking about you know, all the offensive weapons, you have Kyle Shanahan coming in with his barrage of weapons on the defensive end, and you have Chris Jones in this Kansas City defense and Spags being able to make a big difference on that side. What are you able to do in this game? I'm looking forward to it. We'll keep covering it. It's two weeks away. We got plenty of time to get into it. Uh, but if you have any takes you want to talk about for these games, if you have a theory or if you think I'm wrong that these coaches – Maybe didn't make the right game plans and didn't, you know, we saw the inexperience in the playoffs catch up with both of these teams. If you don't think that's true, hit me up. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. If you've got something you want to say about the uh, in the NFL. Uh, texter says, somebody please tell Dan Campbell that uh, he's not allowed to kick a field goal already. Uh, the analytics on that are wrong. Or that he is allowed to kick a field goal already. The analytics are wrong. Momentum is a thing. It fell apart for Detroit after that first bad decision. Yeah, and that's true, too. Momentum is a huge part of all these games. Uh, and momentum, you know, when you talk about going forward and, and getting stopped in and, and those plays where, you know, three scores. You could have been up three scores in that game. And, you know, and it shows your defense. How much for Dan Campbell when you go out there and you go, I do not trust you guys to be able to slow San Francisco down enough to – us hold a three-score lead in the second half, halfway through the third quarter. 
that it's just a, it's a complete lack of trust on your defense. And I know you can say, well, it means more trust because you're trying to go through and pick up for it. It's less trust because they got to run out on the field. They were expecting you to kick a field goal and they could go get ready and get out there. I agree with you completely there. I agree with you completely. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get into the text line more. We'll play a little sound from behind the burner curtain as well. All that coming back up on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on a Monday afternoon. Text lines open 512-447-3776. Hope if anybody's going out to the game tonight at the Moody Center, you got the got the heads up about the stripe out. It'll be interesting to see that on TV tonight. The main attraction at 8 o'clock tonight on TV in the sports world is going to be the stripe out at Moody. Texas versus Houston, a good matchup for Texas. A lot of positive sides of uh, you know how they match up together. Good, uh, good opportunity for Texas to have a big bounce back and, and finish a very hard stretch playing four ranked teams in a row uh, back to back. This will be a big win for Texas. So you hope that they're going to be able to pull it out tonight. Uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow more where we can see uh, what happens tonight. But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Text line is open. Uh, we do have uh, Texas basketball is back to being garbage because uh, a hater. We know one of your haters out there. We get it. We get it. You, you, you don't watch basketball. If you, if you did, you, you, maybe, you maybe watch other games. But, um, you know, you're not going to watch. You can just say they're bad. Just, you can say they're garbage. If you're going to hate, you're going to hate. Uh, <laughs> uh, Text says, the San Diego Chicken is still undefeated in our poll of the day. Who's the best mascot? It's the, the Coyote's better than the San Diego Chicken. He just is. San Diego Chicken, is, he was cool. He's an innovator. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's no Coyote. No coyote. He, give him a bat. Put a bat in an arena and see if he the San Diego chicken. He'll make it funny. He's not going to catch. He's not going to make it funny and catch the bat. That's the coyote difference that you're going to get. Go down a go down on the go down with a ship on this one. Uh, Texas says you can say what you want about not kicking field goals. I believe he should have kicked them. His biggest mistake was using the first timeout because he chose to run the ball on the goal line and didn't score. Having all three timeouts and being able to force a punt is much greater odds than an onside kick. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, I'm with you 100%. That's what I was saying is you know you can look at those, and, and they're all mistakes because they all lead to the fact that you're down and trying to come back and down two scores. It all leads to that. But, yes, your time management from three minutes out to – lackadaisically walk down to run the ball when you know you can't use a timeout to then run the ball and not have your team immediately have another play ready to go to say pop back up and go just all of those things made it seem like you had made preparations like this was not going to happen and you didn't you were not ready uh to go into a game where you were going to have to play a two-minute drill and understand okay that means we have it's three what was it uh 302 left 
We need to go get a field goal within a minute. That's all we need. All we need is to score is to kick a field goal within a minute. That's the actual, analytically, the right way to do it. Get downfield, get the field goal. Then you have three timeouts and the two-minute warning to get the stop uh, against uh, against a Chiefs team that the offense wasn't rolling well. Now, Pacheco had a great game. Uh, you know, he was only averaging 2.8 yards per carry, but he was doing pretty good. He had they, they, they stayed to the run game all game long. He had 24 carries for 68 yards. He may be able to get him a first down. But I agree with you. That that because that that goes into the the what I was saying is if we're gonna make if we're gonna go talk about Mike McCarthy that's the same thing it's coaching malpractice to call that timeout and basically screw yourself out of any shot to get the ball back that was and I agree with you I agree with you hundred percent on that one uh, I want to play some sound from uh, hook him up with Ian Robbie a little replay behind the burn orange curtain always good when we get that especially on a Monday uh, all the notes over the weekend talking some Texas. Uh, we'll play that for you. Come back. More text line 512-447-3776 on a Monday afternoon. It's a hook him up replay. All right, several nuggets that we need to hit um, from the 40 acres. We'll talk, talk about Texas basketball here in a second. Uh, but Texas football, uh, they may be rounding out their support staff. They hired an analyst, Brandon Huppert from Oregon State. He has a history and a background with PK all, going back all the way to his Boise State days. Um, Texas, uh, I believe Texas D, uh, defense coordinator Pete Kukowski was the D-line coach at the time at Boise State when he first uh, coaches Huppert. And then after Huppert's playing career, uh, he started as a defensive quality control analyst from 2013-2017 under PK. Um, and then Chris Peterson there at Washington. Um, then Dan Hawkins hired Huppert to coach the defensive line at UC Davis in 2017, a group that set the single-season program uh, record, actually 37 sacks at the time, so that's pretty good. And uh, Huppert returned to Washington in 2020 and at one point was the director of player development, and he, I believe he had a same, the same role, a similar role at Oregon State most recently, and he's coming from Oregon State to Texas. Now, if he's coming as an analyst, which means no on-field coaching and no recruiting for him, but I believe you still can do some of the same things you did as a director of player development if there are certain players that Texas uh, would like for him to evaluate and come up with a kind of a plan of action as to how to develop those guys and what their trajectory should be and what goals they need to meet for them to uh, achieve their ultimate, obviously, success. Um, essentially, that's what he was doing. You could do that in an analyst role, too. Um, essentially, it's all, it's all about scouting, looking at a player's skill set, uh, then projecting what that player uh, what you want that player to be and how you want to maximize them in your system and then what are the steps in between to help you achieve that. That's essentially what a player development guy is going to do and then making those kind of practical connections between diet, diet nutrition, strength and conditioning, on-field uh, success, on-field training, drills, all of that all-encompassing, and and that's what a director of player development, part of the, they've got a lot of things they do, um, but that's part of their role, and I wonder with some of the younger guys, if he can help you come up with some of those plans, um, essentially those uh, scouting evaluation plans for uh, individual player development, so we'll see, but also he works with D-line, 
And Texas has a new D-line coach in Kenny Baker. So also I'm assuming that he could offer insight on Texas techniques fundamentals uh with the texas defensive line as well so i and maybe that's why they're bringing him in because pk likes him knows him and he's a guy that's worked with the d line and maybe he could come in and help you be i don't know so quasi assistant to uh, or assistant to the defensive line coach but in an analyst capacity so there you go that's uh and i believe now they have three between william gay uh huppert and also paul christ who reportedly is returning. I, I haven't seen them confirm that, but they don't really confirm anything about these analysts. We just kind of see them reported. I, I don't know if the Texas University actually comes out to announce it. I don't think I've ever really seen that. Uh, we just get great reporting from a lot of the other sites about these kind of things. So Brandon Huppert being the latest uh, analyst that is added to the Texas support staff. Uh, also on the recruiting trail, now Longhorn fans were excited that Texas could potentially get Jabbar Muhammad, the corner from Washington, who was in the transfer portal, one of the best young, I think he was the top corner actually in the transfer portal uh, as of last week, and was an all Pac-12, I think second team, all Pac-12 defender. He has decided to stay in, well, at least for now, uh, with a, Pac, a former Pac-12 team. Uh, he's going to go to Oregon. Um, so I believe the report is that Oregon was able to offer him NIL-wise. I'm sure that Oregon, they got a sugar daddy, so they probably could offer whatever Texas is offering. Um, but I believe from what I heard, shout out to my man C.J. Vogel uh, from on Texas football, uh, he's hinting that maybe it was playing time in at Texas, a lot of rotation of your corners. You rotate your corners a lot. Malik, and you got young ones, Malik Muhammad. You got Terrence Brooks. You got um, Gavin Holmes. And then maybe he didn't want to end up in a situation where he's rotating and he's trying to go to the NFL. Sure. You know, I mean, as much film as possible. Well, Longhorn fans would understand. Isaiah Bond, the receiver who committed to Texas, says, you know, this is – my yes. draft stock is my corporation. I'm trying to improve my draft stock. And coming to Texas, he has a good chance to be the number one wide receiver, the, the, the number one target if he develops chemistry quickly with Quinn Ewers. I mean, he can, he's that talented. He's that yep. fast. He can replace Xavier Worthy as kind of that go-to big play receiver, which helps your draft stock. Uh, and, you know, that's what Jabbar Muhammad wants. He wants to line up that's against exactly the top right. receivers in the Big Ten this year. Mm-hmm. He wants that tape. He wants that tape. And, you know. The more reps you have, the better. Um, and I right now in Texas, yeah, I mean, a lot of Longhorn fans have been frustrated with that, but they are committed to rotating their defensive players. Yeah. And they rotate damn near everybody on their defense, except for the linebackers. Jalen Ford didn't rotate a lot last season. Um, but other than that, I mean, mostly everybody else is Sark in Sark believes in, uh, in fresh defenses. And I think if you know, look at Georgia and then Michigan the last, you know, three, four years, they rotate a lot of players too. Definitely, um, but they're – they got a lot of NFL players back there yeah, yeah. rotating, too. Well, I think the, the argument for Longhorn fans is like, well, you don't have Georgia and Michigan's roster yet, so fewer rotations. Yes, keep guys fresh, but fewer rotations. And maybe be more judicious about when you rotate well, guys. yeah, and you don't have to take Murphy and Sweat off the field at the same time. You can <laughs> leave one of them on the field. <laughs> <laughs> on the fourth down? Yeah, on the fourth down. On the fourth down? Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Murphy and Sweat, by the way, they are five Longhorns are being a mobile this week, Rod, for the Senior Bowl. That's senior Bowl big. practice start this week and yes, then the game on Saturday. Mm. Five Longhorns are there. Five long, there was going to be seven Longhorns at this Senior Bowl before Alfred Collins and Jade Barron, you know, decided they were coming back. They were both invited, but uh, Jordan Whittington is there, yep. Jalen Ford, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, and Christian Jones, all participating at the Senior Bowl this week. JT Sanders not in there? Is he there? No, I, mm. you know where JT Sanders was. He and uh, he, I thought he was participating he, in something postseason. Uh, East West Shrine. 
Oh, East West Shrine. He and, he and Jonathan Brooks were up in Frisco this weekend yeah. for the East West Shrine practices. Okay, there you go. Now, and of course, Jonathan Brooks is there with He's an hurt. injury. He's yeah. not going to play. He was just there though to meet with with whoever and be a part of it. So yeah, that's uh, that's. You know, if you count Jade Barron and Alfred Collins, who were invited but decided to come, you know, continue their their Texas career, I mean, that's uh, that's nine guys who would have been at these All Star Bowls. That's pretty impressive what the Longhorns are putting into the National Football League. That's right really now. impressive. Uh, yeah, and I, cause I saw JT Sanders had measurements and it was from the Shrine Bowl, as you just mentioned, and he's verified six three, uh, basically close. You can round it up six three and six inches. So he's really close. To be uh, in 6'4". Two, yeah, to be in 6'4", legitimate, and 252 pounds. So JT Sanders. Yeah, man, he looks looking good out there. Uh, okay, before we get to the break here, I want to play this uh, audio of the BYU coach. Now, Texas lost to BYU, but one of the controversies, I don't know why it was a controversy, was that some of the BYU fans, uh, they wore T-shirts with horns down spelled out across all their shirts. So each shirt had a different letter on it. Uh, and it was spelled down, it was spelled out horns down on the shirts. And at one point, the students were asked to remove the shirts um, and change shirts. And a lot of people thought that this was upon... Texas's request that somehow Texas was responsible for that. Here is the BYU uh, head coach in the post game clarifying that it was not the University of Texas necessarily that made that request. Thanks, guys. Hey, um, if I can, and Ty's going to be mad at me here, but uh, I don't know. You guys report on this horns down T-shirt. <laughs> Are you guys hearing this? Yeah. Uh, and just know. Oh, from our student, from our, uh, you know, they were taken off before the game started, right? And and from our, from the Rock and from our players and from our student body, uh, that's just not us. That's that's not how we roll. And it was just a, a miscalculation on, on just a couple eager kids, uh, uh, which we love the eagerness of these fans, but it's just not it's not what we do here. So uh, we love every, all eighteen thousand people in in this gym. They were. Incredible night, and just that, just so you know, that's not um, that's not something that we're supporting. Okay. There you go. Um, so the, basically, they made the decision to decide that they wanted to, you know, not do the horns down, or at least not have that displayed uh, at their arena. It wasn't Texas, even though I think nas- nationally the narrative is that Texas was a little upset and offended by it. As I've said before, it's just free marketing. It's free media. No need to be upset about it. Everybody knows what it means. And lately, for some reason, I guess uh, some narrative is developing that Longhorn fans are really deeply offended by Hornstown after the Rodney Terry thing happened and then now this. And I don't know why it's starting to come up again. I thought we had settled well, this, but I, I mean, guess again, not. I mean, I saw this. And, look, I, I, I shame whoever told those kids, told them to take the shirts off. That's They shouldn't have done that. They should have been able to wear those shirts. Yeah, that's crazy. They, and keep them. Yeah. Not offensive. It's not, not, not like it said F off or anything. I mean, it was, it was horns down. And they were written like they painted H-O-O. Yeah. And they just stood across the front row. Um, they should have been. That's that's one of the, the great things about college basketball and home atmospheres and those kind of things. That's That should not have been – they should have kept on, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. And at the same time, you look, the stuff about Rodney Terry and Horns Down, Rodney Terry was mad about Horns Down, but he was also mad about when it happened 
and it was kind of an in-your-face thing, right, as you're shaking hands at the yeah. layup line. I think that that context has to be included. He wasn't just mad about horns down. He was mad that they were doing it kind of kind of as an in-your-face, we just beat you on your home floor thing, which yeah, that's, that, that's as much as anything. Um, but either way, it's, 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 it's a tired thing to talk about, the horns it down. It's just like, y'all, it, it's not a huge deal. But it, it gets made a huge Nationally deal. it is. I know. But I, I think locally it's not. But nationally, it's, almost, it's, like, it's like the Arch Manning thing all over again. It is. Nationally it's a huge story. Locally, we're like, it's not a story. Well, I, th- I think early on Longhorn observers and people who cover Texas were concerned that it was Texas that asked them to take the shirts off. Now, if that had happened, then Texas there is open for criticism. Like if somebody at Texas went over there and said, hey, can you ask them to take those shirts off? That's, we don't like that. That's, I agree that, with that didn't happen. And the yeah. coach at BYU clearly just told you, no, no, no. We, we don't do that. that. We did that, uh, to re- which, which they should. Also, yeah, you went out. That, that's a mistake. Yeah, let the kids, yeah, man, let the kids let do the kids put the horns kids. down. Well, well, they're just trying to give you a good home, you know, home court advantage. That's about home court, right? I mean, yeah. distracting to, the Longhorns. That's good, dude. If you go to a Texas baseball game, the Occupy left fielder, get, you know, Occupy left field guys are giving the left fielder hell. I'm talking about his sister. And yeah, <laughs> they're looking up Stad, looking up his family. His yeah. girlfriend is so on that, Instagram. That pop fly has, uh, heads his way. Hell He's yeah. thinking about something else. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's what you do, right? Yeah. You give you give him the business. Yeah, I don't. That you're right, man. That's a little too. Uh, that's a little too cup, cupcake, man. That's, little, that's snowflake. That's cupcake. Stuff. Yeah. That's snowflake stuff. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's unfortunate for Texas that it got kind of painted by some that they were the ones asking for it, or at least that they requested it. That didn't happen, but. Either way, bigger picture, kind of like the horns down with Central Florida, the Longhorn defense in that game, that, had, that was something to be more concerned about to allow a team to shoot 64%. Uh, that's bad. That's I mean, bad. that's – and they had like 15 dunks or layups or 18 dunks or layups. It was – pretty. I, I will say for BYU, they, they lead the Big 12 coming into that game in points scored, but also in three-point attempts per game. They were, they were chunking it up there like 35 times a game. Mm. And in this game, they totally flipped their script. I mean, yeah. talk about breaking tendency. Got to the rim, huh? They changed what they were, and they started going right to the basket. I think that surprised Texas. The, the frustrating part is there was never an adjustment made uh, to, to any of it, and they ended up shooting 64% for the ball game because everything was coming right at the rim. And then, you know, they did knock down some threes as the game went on. But they, instead of shooting 35 like they normally do, they shot 17. So that got cut in half, and they yep. went to the basket like crazy. That was a pretty impressive performance by BYU in that game. Longhorns tonight with Houston, Rod. H-Town. Cougars in town. Good stuff there from me and Rod Beebe taking you behind the burnt orange curtain. All right, we're going to take uh, one more break here. Uh, we take this break, uh, then we'll come back, and we will get to the rest of the text on the text line, 512-447-3776. If you want to talk Texas basketball, Texas football, you got some NFL takes you want to throw in there, or you just want to chime in on the big fat poll of the day. What? Who is the best mascot in sports? I have it as the Coyote, and I'm right. It's the Coyote. He caught another bat this weekend. We know it's a Coyote. So if you want to join in that conversation, 512-447-3776. We will get to those when we come back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Last call. So either hook up now or go home and take care of yourselves. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Bring a pitcher of beer every seven minutes till somebody passes out. And then bring one every ten minutes. I'm very drunk and I intend getting still drunker before the evening's over. All right, wrapping things up here on the horn on a Monday afternoon. 
Let's hope that Texas gets a big rebound today against Houston at home. It's the stripe out. I'm rooting for it. Texter says too much Cougars playing the BYU Cougars and the Houston Cougars. Hopefully it's a four-game stretch against ranked teams. If you can go three out of four in that stretch for a team that everyone was selling short to the West Virginia game, said they couldn't do anything, I think it's a pretty good ending for it. Really helps your tournament resume as well. So a big game for Texas tonight. That's at 8 o'clock. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. More NFL talk as well. Some NBA. We'll see if the Spurs can get a win streak going too against the Wizards. All that and a whole lot more coming up on the show tomorrow. But until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean. We'll see you right back here tomorrow for more of the Sports Complex.